0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrew and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants.
1: And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. How's life? Life is pretty good. We
0: are working through a couple of design audits right now with new clients. Both clients really excited about the potential there. I think we could do some really cool work and we seem to get along really well with their teams. One in particular seemed to share values and just really appreciate the way their founder Mm -hmm. approaches things. So we've really enjoyed working with them. So hopefully I'll get to talk more about the work that we're doing at some point in the future, but just excited about both of those. And it's been a good chance for us to iterate on our design audit processes. Mm-hmm. And you know this is sort of coinciding with one of our big goals for this quarter. So we've had a playbook for a long time. It got really out of date. We wanted to kind of overhaul it.
1: So just for everyone everyone to know, like when you say playbook, what exactly is a playbook to you and Kurt? Yeah, I'm really thinking of just like a company wiki. So
0: a collection of SOPs, which stands for Standard Operating Procedures, and our ultimate goal is to have um, every important thing documented in this playbook so that if a new team member comes in and they've got a question, they can kind of go here first and then go to people for extra context or information. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, someone knows how to do my job because it is documented in the playbook. And, you know, it helps with just working together asynchronously, it helps with like making sure we've got expectations, clear expectations and so yeah it was one of our big goals to try to get that to a place where it was really usable and there are really two challenges one is just creating all of these procedures and processes Mm -hmm. and getting them documented and then keeping them up to date so that every time you make changes to them which we do all the time going in and making sure those changes are reflected in the playbook so it doesn't become out of date so yeah this has been a time where we're like looking at that really hard and and thinking about that and I'm I'm kind of excited about some of the
1: the improvements we're making and I think we're mm-hmm. we're getting it to a really good place. So, I'm asking these questions because I'm also currently working on the playbook for the first time. So, our beta version or alpha version, mm-hmm. how much of it is you and Austin dictating how it works versus like taking input from how it like from other people. So, I guess like there are ways where we currently do things and then I've been capturing them into a doc for our but then i there's also ways that I would like us to do things and i'm trying to balance between the two i'm kind of curious like yeah
0: that's something i've struggled with a lot over the years and been like uh well just you know kind of do whatever you think is best because i didn't want to be like locking people into a set of steps if there was a better way like i didn't want to be locking people into a bad process which i guess is just a way of saying i didn't have a whole lot of confidence yet in our processes But I feel like one of the things big things I've learned in the past year is that that just created more confusion for us. And so it's better to give people an imperfect process and be really clear and have it outlined well and then make sure they always know they can provide feedback, but handle that feedback in a more intentional way. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like go figure this out on your own. And if you can make it better, just make it better willy nilly. It's like, no, this is the way we do things. If you would like to change a step, let's bring it up. Let's talk about it. Let's agree to that change. And then we'll execute that change. Document how you're going to do things today, this time. And then, you know, be intentional about those changes. So when you want to make it better, the other side of that is like how much of it is the team versus how much of it is, you know, me and Austin. And I think, again, this is an area where I used to try to make everything super, super collaborative. And then I realized that one, not all of the team has interest in defining processes. Not all of the team has experience in defining processes. Not all of the team has time to find and document processes. Austin and I have time set aside to work on internal crit projects. And so I think I have swung a little bit more towards the side of this should be mostly me and Austin writing things down initially, but then we need to be very welcoming and open to feedback. Now, that's not like a blanket truth. So most of our project management processes are now being dictated by Bina, and then Austin and I will be the ones providing feedback. As we've been building out some of the design processes, we've leaned on Nathan, one of our designers, as we've been building out development processes, that's one of the areas where we still need to, I think, invest the most time into documentation. And really, they're like, Austin and I shouldn't be doing most of the documentation because we're not the ones doing the work day to day. Again, if it's a time issue, we can step in and, and document something and then get feedback. But so I think it comes down a little bit to like who really has the knowledge and the ownership of this area of the business and then who has the time and the experience building processes to
1: outline this all for us. Nice. Okay. That gives me some interesting ideas. Cynthia is our new project manager. So Mm -hmm. this now brings an extra point of conversation between her and I about processes and everything. So that's cool.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also good for someone new to the team to spend a little bit of time kind of executing on the existing processes before Mm -hmm. making major changes. You know, if they want to go ahead and start making small tweaks, that's awesome. But I think It's good to spend a little bit of time getting familiar with like why things are done the way that they're done now and how they're Mm -hmm. being done now because that gives you a little bit stronger base to stand on when you're trying to make changes so it took a while before bina i think was comfortable making changes and Mm. she's continually getting more comfortable and, and helping more and more with the playbook stuff
1: nice how quickly are new processes adopted within your org because that is a challenge that I've personally as well had to, you know, break out of. And then I don't know how to incentivize it without it being negative. It's easier when it's me changing something that I'm doing day to day, like we've been
0: doing these design audits. And so, and I'm heavily involved in the actual execution of the design audits. And so it's a little bit easier for me to change something about the way I wanna do them and then just do that change and see how it feels and then, you know, iterate but I think that comes down more to like communication. It's like, it's easier because I don't have to communicate it to someone else. It's, it's just in my head, you know, with one of the design audits right now, one of our engineers, Michael, who hasn't been, hasn't done a design audit before has been heavily involved in doing a lot of the, the day-to-day work for the audit. And I've made some changes as we've gone, got them written into the playbook in a way that seemed clear, sent it to him, asked if it made sense. And then sort of Reviewed the execution with him. And so I guess in that case, I'm not doing the work, but I am still like kind of overseeing the work and directly like providing feedback of like, yes, this is exactly what I meant. And oftentimes, if someone misses the mark on a process that I handed them, I don't know how often it's a motivation thing and how often it's just a I didn't communicate the process well thing. Like I didn't, my document wasn't clear, my write up wasn't clear. And so I need to like kind of break things down more. I will say for kind of like larger things that are more just like changing how, I don't know, I feel like our team is pretty open to change. Like we've started migrating all of our projects over to story points away from time-based estimates, which Bina totally spearheaded and led, like she did the research and really pushed for this and made it happen. So props to her. And the team was like a little resistant. I think they were all a little nervous about what it would mean for them. But I think she did a good job of like sort of breaking down how it could be helpful and then demonstrating that by just having them go through a couple of story points processes. And the feedback I've gotten has been really overwhelmingly positive. And now everyone's like pushing for story points on everything. So
1: I kind of feel like our team is pretty receptive to change. So I agree with you. All the team members are just amazing, awesome people and are you know very open to change and improving processes. I've seen some parts where we as we internally as a team have failed in following some processes, mostly for lack of clarity on like how to do certain things. So, for example, ever since we switched processes on and and also switched to ClickUp from Monday, as well as from other from Notion and all that stuff. We've run into the issue of like figuring out what approval process looks like or what a client handoff process looks like, and I find that a lot of the some of the, or some of the designers will be unsure of when they're allowed to click like in progress to ready for client. Mm-hmm. A lot of it the, they'll expect someone else to do, and so it ends up becoming this extra need for a meeting, and and this is where the process fails, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I will say for mm-hmm. sure that like on our team.
0: I know Bina has to spend a decent chunk of time like messaging people on Slack and being like, hey, Mm -hmm. what's the status on this? And oftentimes people will be like, oh yeah, I forgot to move that card. And Mm -hmm. so there's a good bit of that internal communication that still has to happen to make sure that we're kind of moving things through like our project management flows and Mm -hmm. getting things updated and all that. Some of that is just like being human and like kind of forgetting to do stuff and for sure or getting busy and
1: getting distracted or Mm -hmm. a bunch of different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think that one of the most glaring reasons for me as a manager is the fact that I'm not being clear enough in the processes and in the SOPs that are right. So question for you is how granular do you get with the SOPs? Because like, it's hard. F- it's hard to
0: figure that out, right? So real quick before we get to that, mm-hmm. I think one of the other things here that we still don't do as a great job of is like so many times when I do feel like someone isn't doing something quite the way I want them to there's like, did I document the process clearly enough? But also did I document like their role and the expectations clearly enough? Because yep. sometimes it's just confusion on like, oh, I didn't realize I was supposed to do that. There are times where people don't live up to what you need them to do. But if you haven't made it really clear what you need them to do, it's so much harder to have that conversation because everyone's human. They can only do what they're aware of. And so that's been an area where we have fallen down in the past is like, something's not happening it it feels like it's not getting done the way that we want it done and it's like sometimes there might be an element of like wanting someone to do a little bit better but so often it comes down to the process wasn't documented clearly enough or the expectations the context weren't explained clearly enough and that's an area where I think we still have a ton of room for improvement is like documenting roles and responsibilities and like making that stuff more clear and it's it's hard. To answer your other question about how granular do you make your SOPs or the actual like pages in a playbook or processes or whatever you want to call them, that's something that we are experimenting with right now. I think we for a, our old version of our playbook, I think was was more like almost like blog post style where it was very not just granular, but very like verbose. And that made it maybe a little bit more enjoyable to read, but made it really hard to keep it up to date. And so what we've tried to move towards now is we have templates defined for different types of pages in a playbook. Policies, processes, I think are the two main types of sort of playbook pages. And within like a process page, we have an overview, prerequisites, people involved, goals, deliverables, and steps are the the sort of subheads. And then each one of those is either a very short paragraph or just a bulleted list or like numbered list. And so we've tried to move more to that, so that it's faster to update things and like, trying to make it lighter weight to keep things up to date. And then it's like, it's really hard to figure out when to break something into multiple pages. Because you can end up with so many pages that it's overwhelming. But you can also end up with pages that are so long that it's overwhelming to make any changes to it. I don't know. Have you all experimented with that?
1: Like, Do you have any thoughts from what you've tried so far? So the reason we we switched to ClickUp was because we found out about this agency called ZenPilot and ZenPilot is a big ClickUp implementer and they have a very defined process in how to use ClickUp and it's in the realm of essentially take all of your SOPs and put it into ClickUp. Mm, interesting. And every single task has, you know, a bunch of these subtasks that are pre-created and each subtask is a checklist, right? And that way you're able to get really really granular about everything. And I gotta be honest with you, and I'm sorry Zen Pilot, but I've never hated something more. <laughs> but it's not their fault, it's not their fault, and while like, I don't agree with it necessarily, Cynthia, who's our new PM by the way, so welcome to the team, I'm super excited that you're here. Our previous PM was stolen from us by a VC firm, but wishing her all the best. But anyway, Cynthia took a look at it, because Pilot gave us a bunch of templates, and so here's an example that I've pulled up here. To create a blog, is 16 different subtasks. Whoa! Anything from create blog strategy and document in parent notes to write blog copy, proof blog copy, apply blog proofing revisions, design blog imagery, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way to the end of confirm client approval of the blog, schedule blog, publish date. And I don't know if it's just because like usually it's on one person to do all these things that to Mm -hmm. me it feels really weird that all these subtasks like are listed on here, but Cynthia really likes it. Like if you're going mm-hmm. through and you're writing a blog, you don't have to do every single
0: step, but it's a reminder of like it's a checklist. Hey, did I hit all these things? Mm-hmm. But the more granular you get and the more prescriptive you get, it's like, again, it's harder to keep things up to date. So if you make a change, you have to go in and remember to update that. I mean, it's it's like products and technical debt, right? It's yeah. the same kind of thing. And I think part of it probably comes down too, to like is this a, especially with services, like, is this a custom creative service where we're kind of improvising a little bit every time, in which case it's probably better to outline like principles and goals and expectations and kind of like how things should feel and the process for just moving through the work, like for design, you know, it's not like make three logo variations or something like that. It's more like, Hey, here's what good design looks like. And here's, understanding design principles and Mm -hmm. and then here's the project management process for how you keep everyone on the team up to date with like where the design is but then with like the strategy stuff where it's it's essentially a a productized service that we're selling you with those i am much more prescriptive and it's like here I'll, Mm -hmm. i'll pull one up I was just working on. It's funny that
1: you say this because I was literally talking to one of my designers this morning and I was like, oh, if I was going to start an agency again, I would not be. I would I would have made it pure productized service, like <laughs> to a point where I can just turn away clients if they don't fill the rubric of things that we want. Because, yeah. Yeah. And we have a mix of the
0: two, right? Like our strategy mm-hmm. services are predefined, yep. but then the oh, rest of our okay. work is pretty open ended so like our design audit service is a predefined package and like here's the steps we follow but then our design work varies from client to client what are the actual deliverables and the scope and everything Mm -hmm. varies from client to client so there's one step in the design audit process where we have we create an executive summary so we do user interviews we do an audit of the product we come up with a list of findings from each of those things and then we look at those findings and we have to kind of using common sense, figure out what to do with them. So it's, you know, there's some granularity in like, here are the things we need to do, but then there's some flexibility and like, I can't exactly tell you how to pull something out of those findings that is important. I can tell you to pull something out of those findings, but I can't necessarily tell you exactly how to do that. So the steps that I have for creating the executive summary are provide background context, process for interviews and audit business goals from discovery session information we want to highlight about the business market or users step two outline key user personas for the application from the information we have step three identify five to ten opportunities where we can have the biggest impact on their company by improving the product these can be quick wins larger ux improvements a ui refresh or new features use descriptive titles use visuals to explain not decorate include an appendix with any additional findings from the interviews and audit and links to full notes, recordings, scorecards, et cetera. And then I have a link to the executive summary template, which is just like a slide deck template. And so that is, I think, relatively prescriptive, but I'm not saying like, I'm not necessarily explaining to you how to identify five to 10 opportunities. I'm giving Mm -hmm. you flexibility to identify those opportunities however you see fit who currently identifies five to ten opportunities i have not stated which of those people is is doing Uh these steps so i should probably change that most of the time it is the project lead the developer is kind of identifying those opportunities then they look at them with the account manager and the account manager Mm -hmm. edits makes changes which is usually me today i'm
1: so jealous of your playbook (laughs) (laughs) i'm just jealous of the fact it's mostly comprehensive from what Maybe. I (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think it's just comparatively, right? I think because we just kind of have started ours, it's the task of going from, you know, zero to one here is just so, feels so insurmountable. But it's also the fact that we've, we continue to like try to be as full service as we can in the branded marketing space. Mm -hmm. I ask about, who does the five to 10 and how they do the five to 10, because if it's not like actually explained somewhere of how to identify these opportunities or like how you have a rubric of what is a good opportunity versus bad opportunity, Mm -hmm. I then wonder like how do you scale that out because the knowledge, like how do you transfer that knowledge? And is it just at some point, is it just experience that you trust? And
0: yeah, I think in this case, that's what it comes down to is I'm trusting the experience of the team to just be able Mm -hmm. to do this thing without more information. Definitely, as we grow, a good improvement for this page would be to add a rubric of like, hey, how do you identify an opportunity? What does that look like? What is a good mm-hmm. opportunity? Right now, I'm just saying, hey, you guys are smart. You can figure this out. If they're not doing a good job of it, then you know it's hard for me to get upset because I haven't defined how to do it. Yeah, It's all kind of a balancing act because you don't want to be so prescriptive that you stifle creativity and like you can't, you do want to hire good smart people who can kind of improvise and figure things out on their own to a degree but you also don't want to give them no structure no process no no guidelines because then it's, it starts to feel very chaotic yeah. and we certainly still sometimes feel fairly chaotic and you know this is our attempt at improving that yep yeah. the other thing is like is just you know we've really tried to start looking at our playbook the way we look at building products which is like it's better to get started and get something out Mm-hmm. into the wild, which with products means paying customers with this means in the hands of our team, than it is to stay still and do nothing. It's better to start small and then iterate and constantly be adding to it and adapting than to worry about it being perfect right off the bat. You know, trying to think of it like like a product and think of it like an agile development cycle where, hey, we need to devote a certain amount of time to new features We need to devote a certain amount of time to improving existing features. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount of just maintenance cost of like keeping this thing up to date. It really is kind of like building a product. And just like a product, I would rather have an imperfect version than
1: have nothing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that the process that we've created and and have kind of stuck to in-house that's been passed down verbally slash experientially Is a better process than what I think I can capture on paper. And for the sake of the fact that, like, I'm just trying to get it out, right? I'm trying to make that V1 so I can iterate. And there's like a little bit of a worry. This might be me overthinking things because I tend to do that, but there is that aspect of me dictating a process that people are now following. And now it's because it doesn't reflect the current way things happen. The work product is worse because the process that's written is not reflective of the actual process that we use. But yeah maybe that's solved by just caveating that what's written down is not and just having people make edits if they feel like something's incorrect right so i think it's definitely good
0: to involve the team right to like write it down but then share it with especially a couple of core team members who've been there a long time and say hey is this reflective of of what we have and give them a chance to provide feedback and make changes and you know long term for this to be successful we have to build a culture where everyone takes ownership over the playbook and like Mm -hmm. feels some level of responsibility for keeping it up to date and making improvements to it and yeah we have to have a good way of doing that a good process for Mm -hmm. for doing that but Mm -hmm. yeah i think long term it's got to be a team effort even if right now it's largely like austin and i and Bina kind of dictating things and then asking for feedback I also wonder if there's an opportunity to say, hey, here's the standards. Here's what quality looks like. Here's what mm. miscreance level of work looks like. And then you've got that. Maybe that's an approach if you're nervous about there's too many specific steps to capture. Maybe it's more important to capture like standards or
1: a way of thinking about the work. No, I love that. That's sick. I think that does ease a lot of my concerns. Here's an interesting question about quality of work, actually, something that we need to figure out, a process or standard or something, is what happens when a client makes a decision or would like to make a decision that goes against the miscreant's quality of work. Because like, we wanna do really good stuff, but sometimes a client will be very stubborn about something that may be inaccessible if they want it their way or, just simply just doesn't look good from like a taste perspective. I'm sure you or any person who's ever done anything services related has seen this. And what I really don't want is to build a culture of like order taking within miscreants because that just feels sad and isn't why I built an agency. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, sorry, rather it's not, it's not why miscreants wants to consult or like is, is a consultancy, right? Like, yes, we can be a factory, but that's not what we're building here. Yeah. Oh, this is so hard.
0: It's one of the things. Is it in your playbook? Is it in our playbook? I don't think so. I think that's a good thing. So, one of the things we just added to our playbook, I was working with Bina this morning on adding to our playbook, is setting some guidelines for a healthy client agency relationship that we will hopefully from now on go over in our kickoff meetings with clients. And our intention with that is to set the expectation early of, hey, we need to be willing to embrace healthy conflict. That means we need to be able to push back on you and feel comfortable doing that and vice versa. You need to be able to push back on us and feel comfortable doing that to make creative sort of experiments to experiment creatively. So everything we give you might not work right off the bat. That's okay. And yeah, there are times where a client will make a decision that we disagree with or that we don't like. And you know, there's a little bit of choosing your battles that has to happen here. And this is like kind of one of those soft skills that's so important in client work. It's something mm-hmm. that I'm hoping our new account manager will be able to help with. But it's also something that I do think a lot about how do we train the team to mm-hmm. think this way, because the account manager isn't always going to be the one presenting the work like we still have subject matter experts as mm-hmm. in agency lingo or you know, designers and developers presenting work and talking to clients very directly. So then it's like we need those people to be able to present yep. their work and defend their work and but defend it without the client automatically feel like we're just being argumentative and we're not listening to them and we don't care about their viewpoint. And so it's just it feels like a balancing act. I don't have a good answer. I think you know one thing is you know just working on the soft skills with people in addition to their design skills or development skills like presentation skills. Again setting sort of standards for client communication and how we work with clients maybe is an is an answer and then i think part of it is like an unfortunate reality of agency work that at the end of the day it is the client's decision and my job is to give them the best recommendations possible based off of my knowledge and my expertise but it's their business and so they have every right to make the final decision so I want them to make a decision, and I will agree with some of those, and I will disagree with others. At the end of the day, it's their business, not mine. My name is still attached to the work, and so I still want it to be as high quality as possible, but I don't have ultimate control, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Focus on building the best environment and the best relationship with the client, and that then leads to better outcomes where like, yeah. both sides feel comfortable pushing back and arguing, but then making a
1: decision and moving on. That was a lot of thoughts. I'm not sure it was a lot of answers. <laughs> I agree with you with what, what you've said, right? The process improvement here is to add a slide into our project kickoff of like, we're going to have conflict. It happens, it's always gonna happen. But like, I wonder if there's a way to establish that at the beginning of a relationship with a client of like, like a sliding scale of how much do you want our opinion?
0: That feels dangerous to me because that feels like it is stepping into the order taker realm. Right. I'm always going to provide my opinion and mm-hmm. I think it's if anything I need to make that clear in the sales process. Fair. Sure. Of like, hey, we're going to provide our opinion. Mm-hmm. It's your decision. You get to make the final call. That's totally okay, but we expect mm-hmm. this to be a collaborative environment. For sure. Setting that expectation in the sales process, setting it again in the kickoff process. Our team can pick our battles and go, "Hey, we won on the logo, we can Yield on the color palette or whatever it
1: is that's not a great example Well, so let me give you the opposite of what's happened with us is Mm -hmm. where clients have come to us where our opinion is the only one that matters, right? We literally dictate every single thing and it's been a very interesting relationship where we're happy to like I get that we're the experts in the room I don't believe that we always have full context of everything that is going on to we give don't. you the most informed yeah. opinion. We're always happy to give our opinion on things strategically. But we've definitely occasionally felt, and not with any of like our larger clients, just, yeah, I'm just curious. Like, have you had that? And is that not weird
0: for you? <laughs> that would be so weird. I've never had that. I see. Wow, that's really interesting. Gotcha. I've never had a client come in and say, I don't want any say. You just pick everything for me and make the decision and we'll take whatever you give us. Like, that would be so weird
1: Dude, so and i have that so many times
0: <laughs> i think i kind of agree like i i mm-hmm. don't know that i would want that i mentioned kind of the executive summary mm-hmm. for a little while we were presenting the findings from the user interviews and from the audit as like here are our recommendations here's what you need to do here's what you should do and then i read this great blog post i think you read the same one from mm-hmm. the seo nba yep talking about running an SEO agency, but totally applies to any type of service business. And he said, it's like, we need to stop using the word should and start presenting opportunities. And that resonated Mm -hmm. so deeply with me of like, you have the expertise, the client has the context. Either side making all the decisions without the other would be a mistake. Like Mm -hmm. we need more context and you need more expertise. That's why we agreed to work together. Mm -hmm. And so like, I want to make decisions that you are involved in. I want to get your feedback and I'm I'm willing open and willing to change my mind on things if you have a good reason for doing it in a different way than I initially came up with. But on the flip side, I want you to listen to us mm-hmm. and value and respect us and go, "Oh yeah, that's a good way of doing things I hadn't thought of. Yeah, let's give that a try." Yeah. It's all about balance, man. <laughs> I think it comes down to like client evaluation and, you know, in that early sales process, setting expectations Mm -hmm. early on and the best client relationships are going to be the ones where we are collaborative and we're working together and they listen to our feedback and guidance. We acknowledge their expertise in their business and their context and learn from them and they learn from us and together we create something better than either of us could have created. Mm -hmm. I also remember reading something a long time ago from like someone writing about agencies who said like the best possible scenario is that your client says at the end of it look at what we created Mm -hmm. not like look at what miscreants created for me or look at what Mm -hmm. I created but like look at what we created together. I think there's probably some danger there that some people would feel of like well, wait we need
1: ownership for our work and yeah we do but i do want it to be a, a team effort a collaborative effort mm-hmm. this is also interesting because in we transfers ideas report that white paper microsoft is showing you mm-hmm. one of the biggest findings on there and i guess it's not so much a big finding or insight as much as it's obvious enough although mm, okay ten, so i guess some of the best insights are obvious ones anyway it was just the scale of like what actually makes a good agency client relationship or a freelancer client relationship versus what we think. There's a difference between what attracts clients into the door and what actually retains clients. It's this idea of like clients needing the, to feel seen in what they're saying and heard and listened to and also like having that type of like collaborative mindset, which makes sense. I was chatting with one of our developers, Jen. And she told me
0: she listens to the podcast, which Hi, uh, was a little bit scary. I was like, "Oh shit!" People <laughs> actually listen. Like, this isn't just me spouting nonsense into a microphone with Sean. Like, there are people on the other end of this mm-hmm. who <laughs> I work with every day who <laughs> listen to me spout this nonsense. But yeah, shout out to Jen. Jen joined us at the beginning of this year, kind of mid December, I think, and like has just been awesome. She read our entire playbook before she started Mm. so she came in already knowing all of our processes and like how we did things which was super cool and yeah she's one of developers on like one of our only non-security clients right now and Mm -hmm. we're like ahead of schedule by a month and yeah she and and michael our other engineer um, at the moment have been working together to create like some boilerplates to speed up our development process and nice yeah she's doing great so
1: we're really really happy to have her that's sick you have told me about jen before i don't know if it's on recorded or or not you did <laughs> we can shout her didn't... out again i'm fine with yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely 100 percent. yeah thanks for listening yeah, you did mention, I remember distinctly, you mentioned that there was a new developer you hired that just like read through all the playbooks immediately, and you were like, you didn't even get your laptop yet. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, I forget. But yeah, yeah, that's
0: awesome. I think it was helpful. Jin, you can let let us know, but I, I think it was actually helpful, and I, I think that was maybe even the old version of the playbook. I don't uh-huh. remember how much we'd updated it.
1: But uh-huh. She's like, well, if you actually want to hear my thoughts. Then... <laughs> <laughs> how was ShmooCon before we sign off? It was good. It was good to see some friends. Oh, remember that team I told you about? My Hack Fortress yeah, team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winners. Miss doesn't sponsor losers. <laughs> <laughs> nice, congratulations. We also now might sponsor another interesting activity that has to do with four wheels and goes really fast around a circuit. I just found out that a friend of mine is like some like really good race car driver. I don't know how it works. I've only very re- re- recently got into Formula One. And- I was about to say, are, oh, you- <laughs> are you sponsoring a Formula One car? No, no, we are not sponsoring Lewis Hamilton. That being said, Lewis Hamilton, if you're listening to this, let us know. Happy <laughs> to talk. Happy to see what's up. You know, we'll get on CrowdStrax. Take, like, take like one pixel <laughs> on, <laughs> like the bottom right hand corner. <laughs> can we just be on your shoe you're right <laughs> <laughs> your, your your gas pedal shoe. <laughs> but no we'll, we'll see how that goes but it was still exciting to to see our team win i keep saying our team it's not our team it's their team i love dl cool J is, is the team name it's just a bunch <laughs> of friends that i that i've had for a while i did find out at Shmoocon when i met some of them that weren't from the same college that, like there's like professional tf2 players cool and some of them were professional tf2 players so anyway mr doesn't pick losers only winners <laughs> <laughs> would you ever sponsor like a team who's competing in like the
0: defcon ctf or something like that like deck them out in some like esports style swag
1: too um mary i'm gonna need you to r- remove this part before <laughs> andrew andrew literally just <laughs> Yes, it's currently actually, it's literally in the works as we speak. Nice. But if you are another CTF team that isn't the one that we're currently looking to work with, let us know. I don't know who listens to our (laughs) podcast, to be honest. Jen does. Jen does. Jen, Greg, (laughs) those are two confirmed listeners out of (laughs) my friend (laughs) Carl. (laughs) There we go. But no, Shmukhan was cool. It was good to, like, it was cool to kind of be back and and to do Shmukhan again, but I will say it felt a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a COVID-based decision to only have one talking track. They might have had it last time. I might just forget, but it was just weird because Shmukhan always, in the past, had three talking tracks. Otherwise, just like the, the density of people was not as high, which, again, also might be a good thing for the fact that COVID is still... Very much a thing. And granted, everyone's wearing masks, but it's still. LobbyCon also felt a little bit smaller than it usually was, but it was good. It was also good to just kind of take two days off of work, even though I returned to.
0: Wait, 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 uh-huh. wait. Your two days off of work were going to a conference? you realize you're working at that conference, right? Like you're still no, I'm
1: not. No, I'm not. Did I pick up potentially two new clients? Absolutely. But the... Sean, that is it's the not definition working. of work. Oh my God. <laughs> when you
0: are the salesperson for your company, being at that conference and you know, is a hundred percent work. That is not a vacation. You told me you took a vacation. Absolutely not. No, this doesn't count. I'm not letting you get away with this. You have to take two days off
1: next okay, quarter. Okay, okay, Technically, I actually skipped Shmoocon on the Friday, so I don't. I don't care. You probably, so. you probably met with somebody. All right,
0: you're not wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, I have no words.
0: <laughs> All right, next quarter you're taking two days off, and you're not going to do any work things. <laughs> you can't make me. Our minimum vacation policy is only for our designers. and Think about the signals you're giving to your team. Do you want to signal to your team that they need to work around the clock all the time and not take care of themselves? Or do you want to signal to your team that it's good to take care of yourself and we're in this for the long haul and fighting burnout is worthwhile?
1: It's a great way to start the episode, Hatch, if you want to take that. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to signal to my team that miscreants cares very much about their well-being and does whatever we can to make sure that they are healthy and both physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually do you think you are better able to take care of your team's emotional health and
0: like be there for them and be fully present when you are super burnt out and tired or when you are well rested and kind of at your max that's what drugs are for andrew
1: <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's a joke that's not true i think that okay you know what listen after rsa which is this quarter it's the end of this quarter I plan on going to Seattle with some friends and not actually for a conference. So you will have your two days. I will pay you back on your two days. then, <laughs> And that's, right, I'll and that's take my it. small effort I'll of take the quarter. It.
0: Cool, man. I'll take it. Well, now that I have harassed you uh-huh. enough, <laughs> anything else going on or
1: you want to sign off there? Shout out to one of our designers, Chris, or illustrator slash merchandise man. He has also started his own podcast. If you ever want to hear Bostonites talk to each other about their, uh, Chris lives in Boston. He has a lot of creative friends, especially more artists or craftspeople friends in Boston. And he's kind of created this show called Maker's Pace, very much about kind of just the path of creatives that aren't sellouts like he is and doesn't work for an agency or artists that that are very very purely artists and are doing these things and kind of growing at their own pace maker space i thought it was a cool name but it's uh he has two episodes out and it's genuinely very good i think i was burnt out and i ended up listening to it. And it's like oh this is the only i was burnt out of like of consuming just educational material and this was like a very good reprieve yeah nice i'll check it out awesome Cool. cool have a good week. I'll see you later. You too, man. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
0: You just listen to Small Efforts, a podcast collaboration between Crit and Miscreants, hosted by Sean Sun and Andrew Askins. Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next
1: episode.